Hello and welcome. It's the pleasure of Power to Change to present Family Life Today each week, Monday through Friday at this time. We'd love you to contact this station and tell them how much you appreciate hearing Family Life Today. Well, let's get started on today's edition. I want to see a great movement of God in our generation. What if 10 years from now, the most captivating preachers of the gospel in this country are ex-porn stars? What if the best storytellers for the gospel are ex-porn videographers? What if the most generous philanthropists are ex-porn investors? The risen Jesus is well able to do that. Would we not love to see that? Welcome to Family Life Today, where we want to help you pursue the relationships that matter most. I'm Ann Wilson. And I'm Dave Wilson, and you can find us at FamilyLifeToday.com or on our Family Life app. This is Family Life Today. All right, so I'm excited today. I've never had a man in the studio who wrote the Bible. We've, Yo, got, you're right. we've got one of the biblical <laughs> yeah. writers in the studio. He's you're here. Right. No, and obviously, uh, if you're listening, you're like, what in the world are you talking about? We got Ray Ortland in the studio, who you've written many things, but you are one of the co writers of the ESB Bible. Well, I'd rather say translators. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, but welcome to Family Life Today, Ray. Thank you. Great to be with you. Tell us a little bit about yourselves, because I know you're pastoring sort of now, but give us a little background. Well, we planted Emanuel Church in Nashville, Tennessee in 2008 and stayed there for a number of years. Just had a total blast. Mm -hmm. I'm so thankful that I ended my pastoral years on this upward trajectory of just amazing fun. We had such a great time. God really smiled on us. 80% of the church are in their 20s and 30s. Mm. How did that happen? At your church? Yes. Because you have a very young spirit. Oh, well, I don't know, but it's such a gift. So we now are with Renewal Ministries, which is a nonprofit that my dear dad and mom handed down to us. Wow. And we're under the board of RM, and we're having a blast. Yeah, and how many kids? Grandkids? Four kids, and all married, and 14 grandchildren. Wow. 14, are they near you? No. Why did we, that happen, I Ray? know, I know. We raised our kids, you know, to think for themselves, yeah. and then they went and did they it. Do and they it. did Yeah. And they left you, huh? The ingrates. Yeah, well, here's <laughs> the ingrates. The amazing thing is recently you released a book. I want to know if you thought you're going to release this your whole life, because it's called The Death of Porn, Men of Integrity, Building a World of Nobility. Is this a life work? Is this something you saw yourself 10 years ago writing, or is this something that became a passion recently? More recently, because during those years at Emmanuel Church, every Tuesday night, we had Emmanuel Theology for Men. And these great guys in their 20s and 30s, for the most part, would come. And we had hundreds of times together with Bible teaching, honesty, and honor. I would teach some robust theology or Bible for about an hour. Then we would have walking in the light for about 20 or 30 minutes, break up in twos, and we would go into 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. 
and the blood of God's son cleanses us from all sin. So we would break up in twos and one guy would say to the other, okay, here's what isn't working in my life. And he would explain. The other guy would say, all right, well, let's pray. And he would pray for that guy. Then they'd turn it around. Hmm. Here's what's not working in my life. Here's how I'm not doing well. And the other guy would pray for him. And then we would have honor time because Romans 12.10 says, outdo one another in showing honor. Hmm. This is the, as far as I know, the only competitive sport in the Bible. (laughs) Outdo one another. Outdo one another in showing honor. So it was, and that was all of us together as a great big group. And guys would say things like, Jim, last Thursday night, when I felt like looking at porn, I texted you and you called me right back and you talked to me and we talked together for you know half an hour. You got me off the edge of that cliff. Dude, I honor you. Thank mm. you for that. It was like popcorn going off. I'd have to shut it down after a while. So teaching of scripture, honesty and honor and hundreds of experiences like that. And I just came to realize how massive this issue of sexuality and porn has become in this generation of young guys that I love so much. Hmm. So what do you think is happening? Because you and I grew up in a different generation. There wasn't the accessibility to porn like there is now. What do you see taking place? We're all under tremendous pressures right now at multiple levels. Hmm. And our sexuality is one of the primary targets of temptation and corruption. And it's no surprise because, you know, God is not having second thoughts about giving us sexuality. He created us like this. He's not wishing he could delete it. He's not sorry he made us this way. God's answer to the loss of sexual integrity is not to delete our sexuality or even to suppress our sexuality, but to redeem our sexuality, to give our sexuality back to us better than before. That is God's purpose. Almost nobody believes that. I mean, you have to be a Christian to be crazy enough to believe God wants to do that in your life. Yeah, so what does that mean? How does God want to redeem our sexuality? Well, typically it happens when we come to the end of ourselves. That's when we turn around and really great things start to happen. When we stop posing, we stop hiding, we come out into the light of the truth of who God is and the truth of who we are, and we start talking about it in real confession. I mean, I meet with T.J. Timms and Sam Alberry. T.J. and Sam and I get together in my study, and our only purpose is to confess our sins to one another, mutually, transparently. Nobody gets coerced. Nobody gets shamed. Nobody's embarrassed or cornered. We don't like that. We object to that very strongly. Everyone is dignified. And we talk about our failings and our shortcomings and our weaknesses. And I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) And you don't look forward to that one. No. Well, I mean, it's very freeing. right? Yeah, Yeah. But in advance, when I know the guys are coming, I know that what I most need to tell them about is the very thing I don't want to tell them about. That's what I most need to confess. And they feel the same way. And I'm really struck that when we get together, I keep telling them the same things. (laughs) I thought I would be a better man by now. (laughs) You know, after all these years of immersed in scripture and blessed by God and so forth. But 
I'm grateful that I have these two guys whom I trust, and they're not dysfunctional enablers. Mm-hmm. They're serious men, right? Yeah. And, and I can level with them. I can tell them about the real me, and they don't gasp in shock. Neither do they pat me on the shoulder and say, oh, they're there. Everybody does that. They treat me as a serious man, and they pray for me, and it's freeing. It is burden lifting, and I get some sparkle in my eye again. Now, there's not too much of that going around, guys. That's got to go viral. What if a movement caught on of men and women, but my interest in this book is men, of men getting together in that kind of transparency on a regular basis and looking each other in the eye, being honest with each other and praying for each other? And then coming back the next week and doing the same thing again, all the indicators would move in the right direction. Yeah, and as I picked up your book, The Death of Porn, that was what struck me immediately, which was very unique of all the books I've read on this topic, was this zeal you have to see a movement. Yes. Like you just said, of men, and women can be involved, but it's really a book for men, and I resonate Men saying, we're going to stop this. This doesn't have to be the status quo because we've gotten to the point where it's like, yep, porn's a big part of our life and it's just never going to go away. And you're saying, no, there could be a movement that takes place, right? Yeah. I use the hashtag starve the beast. Hmm. It can't endure that. Hmm. It is not as formidable as it appears. It is we men and Christian men who are enabling it and supporting it. What if we didn't do that? I want to see a great awakening. Mm. Yes, I want to see a great movement of God in our generation. What if the next great awakening starts inside the porn industry? Mm. Mm. What if 10 years from now, the most captivating preachers of the gospel in this country are ex-porn stars? Mm. Mm. What if the best storytellers for the gospel are ex-porn videographers? What if the most generous philanthropists are ex-porn investors? The risen Jesus is well able to do that. Would we not love to see that? Well, it's interesting, I thought, because you compare the English slave trade to what we're going through now with the porn industry. Yes. How did you make that correlation? Well, what if it were, you know, the year 1850? Slavery would be legal, It would be a profitable business. It would have the law on its side. It would have social convention and social approval on its side. Hmm. And it would be indeed an economic necessity. Hmm. Many people would be involved in the slave business. Other people wouldn't like it, but they would just accept it and shrug their shoulders and say, that's that's just the way it is. It's not really right, but okay, these things happen. And a few people would be liberators and abolitionists. Now we look back on the Christians who either participated in or did not speak up against the slave trade, and we grieve over them. Mm. We feel, rightly, they lost their historic opportunity. Mm. Now it's our turn. Yeah. Yeah. And where are we going to take our stand? Are we going to be involved in the slave trade? Are we just going to passively accept it and just look on from a distance or... Are we going to stand up and say, friends, this is just inhumane. Hmm. 
We've got to do all we can. Let's go set as many people free as we possibly can. And it starts at the front end with consumers. I love what you said when you're talking to men. You said once you've settled in your mind that you do have a future worth getting excited about, then you can help form a rebel movement, defiant young men who will someday dance on porn's grave, multitudes of men no longer groveling but standing tall and loving life again. And all of it, thanks to God. Like, that is a great dream. I'll give my life to that. How does it happen? Well, I'll tell you how it doesn't happen, Mm. in my opinion. It doesn't happen by flexing our political muscles Mm. and a big march on Washington. Mm. The phrase commonly is that politics is downstream of culture. Mm. And culture, as we know, is downstream of renewal in the church. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. If there isn't enough light, well, let's look at ourselves first. Mm. So I think it starts in a counterintuitive, surprising way. It starts with us Christian men owning up, not pointing the finger at the bad people creating the porn, but turning around and looking in the mirror and looking at ourselves and admitting Mm. our own complicity in this and going to one another and locking arms together to live in honesty, to live in transparency, to live in integrity, and give the rest of our lives to multiplying that safe place of integrity and confession and to see that go viral. I have seen this at our church. I've seen a spirit of honesty, gentle, non-shaming, non-pressuring honesty spread over a whole church. The truth of it, it feels like heaven on earth. Well, that's why you have 20 and 30 year olds coming because they're thinking this is a place where I can be honest and real and I have hope. And even what you talk about at the beginning, telling men that they are royalty. Yes. And I don't think men believe that. No. This world has no idea who these great guys really are. This world every day treats these magnificent young men as if they're part of a market niche or part of a voting block. In other words, it tells them you are a unit in some kind of social collectivity useful for somebody else's selfish grandiosity. Now, the world beats that into all of us and into these young men and young women every day. Well, we're not taking that anymore. We open up the Bible and we read on the first page of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1 for crying out loud, that God created us in his image The king of the universe has put us here in this world to represent his kingdom. He made us royalty. Hmm. Now, we have added on layers of complication to our own sinfulness, right? But I love to look right in the face of a young guy, 25, 30, 35 years old, and say, now, look, the God created you that you are. That foundational baseline God created you that you are and cannot not be. That you is not a problem. That you is a strategy. (laughs) You with your individuality, your gift mix, your potential. God created you as a living, breathing human strategy to bring his kingdom of royalty and dignity and healing and hope into a world gone mad. That's who you actually are. And when, by grace, 
we actually give ourselves permission to believe that, even just a little bit, we get some steel in our spine. We <laughs> yeah. can live again. What Ann was saying when I picked up your book, first of all, it's so beautifully written because it's like letters from a father to a son. Everyone. And it's so tender. I mean, you can feel it even in here in the studio with your voice. It's just you, you're a grace giver and you exude grace. But I've never read a book that about porn and the struggle of porn that took the pathway you took, starting with – because even when I read your first chapter title, I saw, you are royalty? I'm like, what, what is this? I think I know where he's going. But I'm like, really? That's where you're going to start? And then as I read the chapter, I'm like, oh, my goodness. You have to start here. And you've explained it, but what happens to a man when he understands he's royalty? especially in his struggle with porn. And this happens to a woman as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we all know behavior modification just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It doesn't change anything. Real change doesn't happen from the outside in. It happens from the inside out. Yeah. What's most important about us in this world is not what we own, but what we believe. Mm. So we need to go back to page one of the Bible mm. and dare to believe again in who we really are. Who God says we are is who we really are. And these false narratives that the world gives us that we create for ourselves, including the narrative that says, I'm so damaged, I'm beyond repair. Mm. I'm beyond redemption. I'm hopeless. Yeah. And so what we want to do is rise up and let's give ourselves the permission to be indignant at that self-destroying lie. Hmm. Let's give the devil a bad day <laughs> and dare to believe what God says about us when he says that he cherishes us. He created us for greatness. He gave his very son because we matter that much to him. And let's just dare to believe it and see what God will do with that. And then we got to believe the gospel. So we come together and instead of flexing our muscles and shouting at the world, telling them how wrong they are and how they, you know, they're just ruining everything, and those kids get off our lawn. Instead, we say, no, here's how I'm not doing well. Mm. I'm amazed that God loves me at all. It's a miracle that here I am. Why don't you come join the miracle, mm. the miracle of grace? And one of the most powerful things, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, is when we understand we're royalty, but when a community of men, yeah. Or a community of women or, or men and women together understand our identity in Christ. What happens? You know, who helped me on that is Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, Life Together. Yeah. Mm. And he explains there is so clearly, I've never seen it so clearly, that when sin wants to have a man alone in isolation, yeah. hiding, because then sin's got him. Yeah. But when that man dares to believe that God is saying to him, look, you don't have to come clean yourself up first. I don't want the prettified version of you. Mm -hmm. I want you, the desperate sinner that you are. Now come to me as you are in all your mess. And the truth of it is, I think God is saying, actually, you're worse than you think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm better than you think. Yeah. So why don't we get together? <laughs> mm, that's good. It's interesting, too. I've had the opportunity sometimes, and it's one of my favorite things, to speak to high schoolers and people into their 20s. 
And I recently had a chance to be with them and then afterwards just praying for them. And as I've gotten older, and maybe I, I see this in you too, Ray, is I see the greatness in these kids. Yeah. And so as I've gotten older, I want to tell them, like, I see this greatness in you. And so I've gotten into this habit of whatever I see, when I see the good, I'm going to speak that into yeah. them. And as I do it, like, I can say, like, Man, I see that you're so courageous. I can see that you're bold, and I see the tenacity of your faith. And these people are crying. Like, tears are just streaming down their face, which I'm surprised, and yet I think, oh. We hear so many lies all day long from the culture, from the world, from the enemy, from our past pain, that we're reeling in the lies of Satan, I believe. He uses all of that to continually condemn us. And so when another follower of Christ says, I see who God made you to be. I see the greatness in you. They weep because they forgot. (laughs) And I love that about you. I love that about what you write. And I love what you see in people. You see the magnificence the image bearers that we are yeah and i love that that's how you start a book on porn (laughs) seriously it's like wow that is where it needs to start reminding us who we are because we're going to live out of our identity what we believe as you said is so important because it dictates how we behave and if we don't believe that we're going to behave like we're sinners rather than we're image bearers that carry the image of god in us we are royalty that's a beautiful statement of truth to thank Dave and Ann Wilson along with Bob Lapine and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Does your marriage need a tune-up or perhaps a bit of an overhaul? Come to A Day Together, our one-day marriage conference that focuses on helping couples develop oneness in their marriage. For a list of dates and locations near you, see our website at families.powertochange.org.au. Until tomorrow, God's blessings. Thank you.